Hello, and welcome to the Skeleton Factory Podcast, episode 50. This is Adam coming to you from Austin, Texas. Christmas time is here, and to help you sort through the dreck of Yuletide movies, I fill your stockings with The Day of the Beast, or El Dia de la Bestia, film from 1995, directed by Alex de la Iglesia. This will be the second Christmas film that I've covered. Uh, it is December. Uh, the first was a Patreon episode, uh, a film called Christmas Cruelty from Norway, story of a serial killer dressed as Santa Claus. Uh, committing home invasions and basically doing, you know, serial killer stuff to poor innocent people. Um, <laughs> it is it's it's kind of a rough watch if you're uh, you're not into more extreme types of indie horror cinema. But um, yeah, you can listen to that episode at. Patreon.com forward slash Skeleton Factory. And there's a whole bunch of episodes on there. All the audio episodes um, are there for one week. um, Locked behind a paywall for patrons only. But then after a week, I just release them for free. So if you like Skeleton Factory, there's a bunch more episodes over at Patreon. Please Consider becoming a patron today. Also, I can be found on Instagram at skeleton underscore factory. If you have any questions for me, if you have any recommendations for future shows, or um, you just want to send hate mail to me, uh, you can send it to me over at Instagram. I'm also on Twitter at SFPodcastATX. Okay, let's get into The Day of the Beast. Uh, The Day of the Beast feels like if you watched a double feature of From Dust Till Dawn and Shaun of the Dead. Okay, if you can imagine the feeling of that double feature. Um, You know, you got your black comedy, got your horror, um, got the occult, and you got a splash of Christmas in there. And the film opens with uh, <clears throat> our main character, Father Angel Baratuya. Uh, Angel is a Spanish priest and doctor of theology. He has deciphered a cryptogram hidden in the book of John in the Bible. The cryptogram tells him the date of the apocalypse. The end of the world. And that date is tonight. And by tonight, I mean December 25th, 1995. Uh, Technically the 24th. Okay, Christmas Eve. Um, That is the day of the beast. And Angel heads to Madrid, Madrid, Spain where this film takes place, where 
the Antichrist is said to be born on Christmas Eve and thus ushering in the apocalypse. And Angel is determined to stop this from happening. But in order to find the whereabouts of the Antichrist's birth, he figures if he sins as much as possible, that he will get an audience with Satan and will be able to, I guess, kill uh, baby Antichrist and stop the terrifyingly biblical end of the world. <laughs> and the uh, this is uh, this is a comedy, okay? So everything I say from this point on, um, try to think of it through the lens of like there's some dark humor there, kind of consistently trickling throughout the entire movie, okay? So the comedy kicks off when Angel gets to the, uh, the dangerous and gritty streets of Madrid where uh, he gets to sinning immediately, uh, stealing money from a homeless panhandler. Um, he, pushes, uh, he pushes a mime into a subway. <laughs> um, uh, he also... Uh, he also tells a mortally wounded man that he should rot in hell forever before taking the dying man's wallet. Okay. <laughs> uh, it's hilarious. And so in the first 30 minutes, we're introduced to all the characters and are brought up to date on uh, the story ahead. There's a nice balance of exposition and visual storytelling that really hooks you in. Uh, Angel joins forces with a local burnout metalhead guy and record store employee named Jose Maria, whose mother runs a hostel that Angel gets a room at. And there we meet uh, the character of Mina, who's kind of a side character, but she's an employee at the hostel that Jose Maria's mother uh, manages. Uh, also, uh, Jose Maria's naked, acid-tripping, mute wizard grandfather lives at this uh, hostel as well. Uh, he's a great character. He doesn't say a single word the whole movie. He's just naked, uh, tripping on acid. <laughs> um, yeah, it's great. Um but the story centers on Father Angel, Jose Maria, and the host of a TV show about the occult, exorcisms, and fortune telling, um, and other uh, Miss Cleo style gobbledygook. Uh, the character of Professor Cavan. So, Angel. Uh, asked Jose to help him track down Cavan uh, to assist him in invoking the devil. <laughs> uh, Angel and Jose go to Cavan's apartment and take him hostage and slowly but surely convince him that Angel must kill the newborn Antichrist tonight. 
So the film has a, there's like this sense of urgency because all of this takes place in like one day, which after you watch it, it, it's kind of crazy that within, you know, within the span of just a few hours, um, <laughs> all of this takes place. But before they can, um, you know, kill the Antichrist, um, they must acquire ingredients for the invocation of the devil. And let's see. So they need uh, uh, the blood of a virgin that they actually end up getting from uh, Mina, the girl from the hostel, which um, results in angels sort of uh, killing Jose's mom on accident. But the invocation itself is eating bread fashioned into a communion wafer dipped in a combination of holy water, blotter acid, and virgin blood, as well as signing a blood pact with Satan. It sounds more morbid than it is. Remember, this is a comedy, so after... (laughs) After uh, nothing happens after the invocation, uh, Kevin says all this devil worship stuff is bullshit. Because Kevin is sort of, you know, he's definitely a, you know, a occult enthusiast and is very knowledgeable about it. But he's also a total snake oil salesman and kind of bullshit artist. And he, you know, he makes sensational television to get an audience and money and fame. So he, but you know, they, they, they perform the invocation and they drink the acid virgin blood, holy water and uh, sign the blood pact and nothing happens. But just when you think like, Oh, maybe magic doesn't exist. A black goat enters the room, (laughs) stands up on its hind legs, and snarls at our heroes. So, if if Kevin had any doubts to Angel's story, there's no doubt now. Um, There's clearly some validity to it. Uh, Jump to Kevin goes back to the TV studio to go tell the world about, uh, well, it ending. The world is going to end tonight. And after hitting some dead ends, the movie comes up for, um, for air. Um, Angel and Jose Maria been running around Madrid trying to, Trying to kind of poke any type of, I don't know, poke any corner where they might get some information on, like, where the hell might we find the location of the Antichrist? <laughs> now, you would think, I mean, after the fact, hindsight's twenty twenty. Uh, you would think that after the fact, they would just go to a hospital and just look for babies being born, but they don't do that, but that's okay. It's okay. Um, <laughs> So, like I said, they they hit a few dead ends, and then the movie kind of like chills for a second, 
and 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 we get this moment. Padre, we can't stay here. Come on. We have to get out of here. I'm too tired. We have to go get a car. But why? So that we don't get caught. It's no good anymore. It's for his amusement. Who? Who? The devil. Don't you realize that? He's laughing at us. Yeah, I know that. But we still have to keep going. Jose, uh, there's something I haven't said. Tell me another time. Listen, we still You're have to... You're a mother? She fell down the stairs. Huh? Well, actually, I pushed her. When I went for the blood, she had a shotgun and it was an accident. So the virgin's blood that we used? Uh, Mina. Did you murder her? No, no, I only gave her these knockout pills. Ooh, heavy. So Mina's a virgin? Yeah. How do you know that? She said so. <laughs> well, my mother's a bitch anyway. But, uh... What'll happen to Grandpa? See him go. I can't. And leave you all alone out here? I can look after myself. <sighs> Fat chance. Yeah, right. Listen, you wait here for me for five minutes. I'll come back with a car. All right? Good. So, yes. Did I mention uh, Lipia Madrid? Also known as Clean Up Madrid. It's a local political terrorist group that hates homeless people. Um, I don't know if any such organization actually existed in real uh, real Madrid, but it, it exists in this movie. So th this group hates homeless people so much so that there's been attacks on homeless people where dead homeless people have been found burned to death all over Madrid with the graffita, uh, graffiti Olympia Madrid usually spray painted somewhere near the bodies. So um, that's touched on in the movie just to kind of like set that up. Uh, this group pops up in the story from time to time, but doesn't have much impact on the main plot. Uh, it does come up later, but it's just sort of in the periphery for most of the film. Um, so Kevin finds the missing piece of the puzzle, which is the location of the Antichrist. And he meets up with Angel and Jose Maria and takes them to the location of the birth of the Antichrist. Because he just sort of had this epiphany and he figured out where in Madrid this birth is going to take place. So Kevin goes from full skeptic to full-on believing um, everything that Angel is, has told him. So the birthplace of the Antichrist is a a pair of buildings that form the shape of like a chevron, sort of an sort of a, almost a pyramid where the 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 tip of the pyramid doesn't quite touch. It's two real buildings in Madrid called the Gate of Europe, and it's these sort of mirroring twin towers leaning towards each other that symbolize the signature of Satan, a literal signature in the shape of a cloven hoof. And inside one of these towers, which is still under construction, 
I looked it up. Uh, <laughs> I looked it up. So technically, um, sort of the uh, sort of the final showdown takes place inside of one of these towers, and it's clearly under construction. And um, the Gate of Europe towers weren't finished with their construction until '96. This movie came out in '95, so everything lines up um, in that respect. But yeah, if you're ever in Madrid, you can go see the Gate of Europe Towers. They're a real thing. So once they um, once they realize where the location of the Antichrist is going to be, our heroes go in and they happen upon the cries of a baby. A baby uh, sort of hidden under a cardboard box. The Antichrist has been born and sleeping with its parents who are homeless. So there you go. I mean, um, interesting choice, interesting choice, but it totally makes sense later. It's like the, the, it's not like, what was it like the Sam Neill Omen movie or something where, you know, the antichrist could have been born into wealth or whatever, but no, the, the Antichrist parents are homeless. But what rose such a clatter? The Limpia Madrid gang appears. The Clean Up Madrid. The Clean Up Madrid gang appears. And they 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 look like they just jumped off the pages of a uh, Banana Republic catalog for men. And they're armed with bats and guns. And they sneak up on our heroes and jump them. And in the process, open fire on the homeless family under the boxes that they're sleeping under and killing them. So um, the family never wakes up. Okay, so it's not like somebody just sticks a gun in a baby's face and just pulls the trigger. It's nothing like that. Like the family basically dies in their sleep. They don't have any idea that they've been shot to death. So... If you're wondering if this how morbid this movie is, it's it's it pulls back and knows when to step on the gas <laughs> and and yeah okay so so everyone scrambles. Angel and Jose run to the roof, but get separated. Jose gets shot in the leg, and the head of the cleanup Madrid gang transforms into Satan into a uh, huge Baphomet goat man Satan. So the the head of the um, Olympia Madrid um, homeless uh, <laughs> homeless uh, serial killing gang was the devil the whole time. The devil uh, picks up Jose, and 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 Jose Jose's like a crazy metalhead, drug addict dude. So <laughs> the devil picks him up uh, by the like the scruff of his neck, and and Jose's just laughing in his face before the devil just drops him off the edge of the building to his death. And um, that's kind of sad, you know, because uh, Jose Maria was kind of a kooky, weird, fucking chaotic character but he was kind of fun so yeah jose dies and um 
Kevin, on the other hand, he didn't make it to the roof. Kevin got mollywopped with an aluminum baseball bat and then uh, set on fire. Um, but Angel runs in for the save, shooting both the Banana Republic models and putting out Kevin before he burns to death. Um, the devil appears behind Angel, but Angel whips around and shoots the devil dead. Kills the devil. And did I mention this is a comedy? Remember, this is this is a hilarious black comedy. So the movie jumps six months later. The world has been saved. The Antichrist is dead. Satan is dead. And the apocalypse averted. Angels stayed in Madrid, opting out of returning to the priesthood and his theology studies. Really, what what else is there to study after that point? If you spent your entire career picking apart the book of John and trying to find out when the apocalypse is going to happen and then actually preventing it from happening, I mean... That's what kids nowadays refer to as a, a mic drop moment. And um, so, <laughs> so Angels just decides to just live on the streets of Madrid instead of going back to uh, what uh, the little town that he came from. Kind of a weird decision, but okay. I mean, I guess it, it makes sense while you're watching the movie. So, so Angel... Um, Angel decides to live on the streets with Kevin, who's now a burn victim and no longer the famous TV personality. And that's another thing. It's like, I understand Kevin probably lost his job, lost his TV show, but it's like, I mean, did he also lose all of his book deals and everything else, uh, you know, merchandising rights and stuff like that. He just lost everything. And now he's on the streets too. Uh, living with some priests. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Um, that, that's kind of, that was kind of weird to me where I'm just like, uh. but it, when, while you're watching the movie, you're like, okay, I can, I can go along with it. But Kevin is, um, you know, he's, he's bitter that, they these two really sacrificed everything to save the world and nobody knows about it so they limp off together through the parque del bien retiro park that's a mouthful past a statue called the fuerte del angel kaido which means the fountain of the fallen angel and this statue is um, 666 meters above sea level. Okay, this is a real statue in Madrid. And this statue sits atop a marble pillar in the midst of a fountain decorated with sinister demonic entities and some rather miscast reptiles. Depicting Lucifer at the moment he is cast out of heaven as is inspired by the passage in John Milton's Paradise Lost. 
headlong flaming from the ethereal sky with hideous ruin and combustion down to bottomless perdition there to dwell in adamantine chains and penal fire. Credits roll as we see two fallen angels. Not angel and cabin, but angel and the literal fallen angel, Lucifer. They're both in frame together. Um, One who turned to evil to save all of God's creatures and one who wished to dethrone God himself. Mm. The end. And that was the day of the beast. I highly recommend it. I'm a big fan of this movie. A lot of, a lot of, I don't know, a lot of interpretations of this film. It seems very kind of surface. There's a lot of surface level stuff, but there's enough breathing room in the movie where you can kind of you sit there and ponder like, what does. What does the Antichrist represent? What is the uh, cleanup Madrid gang? What do they represent in all of this? And, you know, what do, uh, does Kevin and Angel and Jose Maria, are they a sort of anti three wise men? Like, what is going on? What is going on? I mean, the story is clear enough to understand, but it's, it's fun to kind of sit there and, you know, kind of think about like, oh, what did this mean? What did that mean? But yes, um, the Day of the Beast. If you pick up a copy of the Day of the Beast from the company Severin, um, if you're still into physical media, Severin's a really good company for getting like really nice restored copies of movies. And there's always like extras, commentary tracks, stuff like that. It's it's great. Um, but if you get the Day of the Beast uh, copy from Se- uh, Severin, you'll get a lovely restored Blu-ray with lots of extras. There's a making of documentary. There's an interview with director Alex de la Iglesia and the awesome short film uh, Morindas Assassinas. And a whole bunch more. There's a bunch of more stuff on there. Um, But yeah. Alex de la Iglesia. Great director. Definitely check out some of his other films. If you like sort of over the top action and violence. And um, check out a film called Perdita Durango. Starring a... Um, Rosie Perez, I believe a post white men can't jump Rosie Perez and Javier Bardem. And it's also a film called Action Mutante, um, mutant action. It's a film that he did, uh, prior to day of the beast. And again, it's, um, I don't know, kind of dystopian sci-fi action film, way over the top, but very fun. Or, um, hey, if you like crazy clown stories, 
watch the 2010 film The Last Circus. Um, that was actually the first film of Alex de la Iglesia's um, filmography that I ever saw. And holy shit, it's possibly the best clown losing his shit story ever made. Um, I would, you know, I would put The Last Circus over most clown movies. <laughs> um, uh, definitely over all of the It movies. I would put it over Terrifier, uh, Clown House. <laughs> I'm just joking. I'm not putting Clown House in the same, on the same level as... The Last Circus. Um, yeah, the the Last Circus. Yeah, <laughs> you want to see a fucking uh, a good double feature? Watch uh, Day of the Beast and then watch um, the Last Circus. It's about this clown who's he he works for a circus, but he's a he's a sad clown. So he so his whole thing is he's. Um, He's the sad clown of the circus, and he's, um, yeah, he kind of works for this um, circus where, like, sort of the head star, the main star of the circus is, like, um, the, like, happy, fun clown that all the kids love and everything like that, but in real life, that clown is, like, a fucking asshole, And, and we get sort of a love triangle situation going on, and, um, our sad clown character kind of loses his shit. And when he does, it's, it's glorious. (laughs) It's visually very entertaining, but yes, um, there's, I mean, Alex de la Iglesia has made tons of movies and a lot of them I haven't seen, but I've seen those ones and I can recommend all of them, including the day of the beast. So yes, well, what is your favorite uh, Antichrist movie? Is it Lars Van Trier's Antichrist? Where they don't even talk about Antichrist? We see uh, Willem Dafoe's dick. I heard it was a stunt dick. And um, doesn't he get it cut off in that movie? I don't know. By his wife that looks like Patty Smith. No, no, I like Antichrist, but um, it's actually not. It's not about the Antichrist. There's the classics. There's Rosemary's Baby. There's the Omen, of course. There's all the Omen films. There's four Omen films. I haven't. Uh, hmm. I don't even know if I've seen all of them. I know I've seen one a bunch of times. Saw. So Three, which is called Final Conflict, Sam Neill. I don't even, I don't even remember if I've seen two. I haven't, I know I haven't seen four, but um, let's see. There's the the Devil's Advocate <laughs> with Keanu Reeves and Al Pacino as the Devil, <laughs> and of course there's uh, End of Days with former Governor. And uh, vegetarian Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um, those are all Antichrist movies. I can't think of any more besides that. 
But um, let's see. You know what? I should probably talk about the next episode of Patreon. Now, like I said earlier, I uh, the previous episode was a review of a 2013 Norwegian film called Christmas Cruelty, which um, yeah, was kind of hot and cold on. Like, I don't think it's terrible in, term, in terms of, like, a movie where, like, if you know going into it that it's, like, kind of fucked up, then you can... And it's low budget, you know? If you, you know, <laughs> keep that in mind... You know, there's I, I I think Christmas cruelty there has it has its uh it can be an enjoyable uh horror film. Um but yeah, that's a Christmas movie and uh so is technically so is uh the Day of the Beast as it takes place on Christmas Eve and, and, and whatnot, but you know, it's not a bunch of people saying Merry Christmas to each other and shit like that. And, um but the next Patreon episode I'm going to dive into the world of shot on video movies and it's a whole, that's a whole world shot on video. So (laughs) when, as soon as video cameras became available to the everyday consumer in the eighties, people immediately started making shot on video, uh, videos, uh, porn, you name anything, (laughs) anything that you can show on a video. Uh, yeah, when when video cameras became available to the public, people started making their own movies, which is pretty neat. And the world of shot on video, especially horror films, is quite a deep dive that um, I would like to jump into at some point. I haven't really covered too many shot on video movies. Um, there is a lot, um, the, you know like boarding house and zombie 90 <laughs> fucking uh what was it uh shot on video movies would be like video violence one and two uh, which i like a lot uh, i think they're pretty cool <laughs> and um there's one called boarding house and there's one called uh actually it's a I believe it's a series. I think there's a bunch of them. I could be wrong. Um, there's one called Violent Shit. <laughs> and I mean, a, a lot of a lot of shot on video movies are pretty bad, but a lot of them have a lot of charm and are, uh, you know, done on a kind of a shoestring budget. But every once in a while, you get one that pops up that's like, okay, they made the most of what they had. And then there's sort of, I don't know, ambitious but middle-of-the-road trash. And i uh, that's what I'm going to talk about on the next Patreon. There was a trilogy. It's later become called the Gore Trilogy. Um, it was three films by a director-writer named Hugh Gallagher. And he made... The Gore Trilogy, consisting of Gorgasm from 1990, Gorotica from 1993, and Gore Horror from 1994. I I particularly like, I don't, 
I think it's a VHS cover. Um, I don't know. I've seen like a cover to gore horror where the the tagline was uh, with this girl. There's no such thing as safe sex. <laughs> so the gore trilogy, they're not really connected in any way. Uh, let's see. I got them all on. I got them all on DVD from uh, SRS Cinema. Go to srscinema.com. They got all kinds of weird movies and shit you can buy there. And yeah, their tagline is awesome underground movies you need to see now, right now. So um, let's see. Let me read the back of Gorgasm for you. It's the first film of the Gore trilogy. Chase Nichols, uh, Rick Billock from Flesh Eater and Night of the Living Dead. He was in Night of the Living Dead. I did a uh, one of my Patreon episodes. I actually talk about Flesh Eater, the Bill Hinsman movie. And Bill Hinsman is the original ghoul, the original, the first zombie you ever see in Night of the Living Dead. The guy who attacks. Um, Johnny and Barbara in the cemetery. That's Bill Hinsman. He directed and starred in um, Flesh Eater. But I guess Chase Nichols was in that. Chase Nichols is a detective working his first big murder case that leads him into a depraved world of sex and death. In this, in his search for answers, his only clue is an underground publication he finds with the advertisements for Gorgasm. The ultimate climax. Trying to find the answers to what gorgasm is leads Chase into a dark world of sadism and torture. And just one step behind the beautiful killer, Tara, played by Gabriella from Easy Riders and Max Magazine Centerfold Model, who attacks her victims with true love. A love for death. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, it's is, is it possible that eight millimeter rope ripped off Gorgasm? It's possible. Gorgasm came out years before uh, eight millimeter, so who knows? Okay, let's see. Uh, we're jumping to nineteen ninety three with Gorotica. Uh Neil. Played by Dingo Jones. Sounds like a fucking 90s cartoon character. Sounds like fucking Rocco's Modern Life. Like a character from that. Like it'd be Rocco's boyfriend. Who has a meth addiction. Oi, Dingo. Why do you have a meth addiction? Um, Neil and Max. Played by Bushrude Gutterman. Bushrood Gutterman. Okay. Neil and Max are jewel thieves working for their enigmatic, the enigmatic Miss Miles, played by Dolores Jackson. After their latest job goes wrong, Max swallows a large diamond, the main piece of the job, so they won't be caught with the evidence. What an punctuation in that sentence is really strange. After their latest job goes wrong, comma, Max swallows a large diamond, comma, 
the main piece of the job, comma, so they won't be caught with the evidence, period. <laughs> okay. Unfortunately, comma, he needs to get, he ends up getting shot and killed by a police officer soon after, comma, leaving Neil with a rather sticky situation, hyphen, how to retrieve the diamond, question mark. How to retrieve the diamond? <laughs> Meanwhile, comma, he's run into necrophiliac Carrie, played by Getty Chason. Getty Chason, okay, a comma, who makes an immediate shine, who takes an immediate shine to Max and promises to help Neil dispose of the body. Problem is, comma, Carrie wants it fresh, comma, and Neil needs to get inside. What to do? Actually, it's a question mark. What to do? That's Garotic. <laughs> and um, last but not least, in the Gore trilogy, there will be Gore Whore uh, from 1994. The movie should have just been called Gore Whore 94. I think that would have been like a cooler title. It sounds like a fucking white zombie song title. Yeah. Okay, Gore Whore. When a lab assistant steals an airport formula and all its documentation from Dr. Whitman, he hires a bottom-of-the-barrel private eye, comma, Chase Barr, comma, to locate it. When Barr digs deeper into the case, he finds the lab assistant is actually a dead street whore and the quote-unquote formula is a reanimation agent that, comma, with the consumption of human blood, comma, is keeping her alive. Keeping her alive! Exclamation point there. See, what, that's a weird... That, that was all one sentence, by the way. Let, okay, let's go through that again. When Barr... <laughs> okay. Uh, Chase Barr, right? That's the bottom of the barrel private eye. He digs deeper into a case. He finds the lab assistant is act. Okay, so it must be Dr. Whitman's lab assistant is actually a dead street whore. And the formula is a reanimation agent that with the consumption of human blood is keeping her alive. Okay. In trying to retrieve the formula, Chase is given a roller coaster ride through hell. As the whore remain, the whore reanimates corpses to attack him and help her hold on to the formula. Okay, so we got like a reanimator kind of situation, except with whores. And with Garotica, let me see. What did that remind me of? Uh, kind of reminds me of. Kind of reminds me of Snatch. You know? The, there's a okay, there's a diamond heist in Snatch. And uh there's a, the, the, you know and then there's a dog that swallows the diamond and then they have to get the diamond out of the dog. And uh Yeah. 
Yeah, and there's like thieves in it. There's people who stole the diamond, and then okay. So, um, did did who directed that? Guy who directed Snatch. Is that Guy Ritchie? Did he rip off Gorotica to make a uh, snappy dialogue filled British criminal? Comedy, like maybe, maybe he watched Gorotica, you know, because Snatch came out in 2000, Gorotica came out in 94. Oh boy, I'm starting to pick up on a pattern here. And then, so Gorgasm ripped off, no, uh, 8mm ripped off Gorgasm, okay. That seems pretty obvious. Gorotica ripped off uh, Guy Ritchie's Snatch. And Gore Horror ripped off Reanimator. Why she reverse that? <laughs> um, Reanimator ripped off Gore Horror. Okay, that's probably true. Is it actually true? I don't know. Probably. But yeah, that's what's going to be. That's what's going to be on uh, the next Patreon episode. I'm going to do the Gore Trilogy. So, um, yeah. If I have fun with that, then I'll probably end up doing some more shot on video uh, stuff in the future. And if I don't like it, then I won't. (laughs) But, yes. I'm going to get out of here, guys. Thank you very much. Uh, look, we made it all the way to episode 50. Isn't that great? <laughs> um, you can find me on Instagram at skeleton underscore factory and on Twitter at SF podcast, a T X. And please consider supporting the show at patreon.com forward slash skeleton factory, where there's more, audio episodes and thank you for listening to skeleton factory rescuing your movie night one movie at a time i am adam bye bye <laughs>